Duke's mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang. This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yo, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. Welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. And this week, we're talking kombucha and food fermentation with Cultured South. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Melanie Wade-Styles, the owner and operator of Cultured South, and also Sarah Adams, a.k.a. Petals, the fermentation manager. We're going to make the detour, like you said, into fermented things other than beer, kombucha, kefir, vegetables. Right. Melanie, Petals, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, You know, we're not even sure if some of our listeners knew things other than beer were fermented yeah. or cared. But uh, Well, they're going to know now. We're going to tell them all about it. See, that's and it's not the same kind of fermentation either. The, no, the end it's... results may not get you intoxicated. Right. The essence of the process is the same. You've got, uh, yeah. you know, your bugs and out there eating, eating up sugars and, and fermenting and get, bringing you the funk in there. So That's right. it's good stuff. And and like we said, Melanie, I'd mentioned to you, this was our um, quarantine hobby. I got into it and I started doing, you know, simple stuff like uh, started with sauerkraut. We've done kombucha in the past, had some kombucha. I couldn't drink it fast enough to make it on my own. So that's why, you know, I quit that. But it's been fun. And I thought thought this would be a fun little uh, little side trip. It's sure. a field trip for us here. We're checking stuff out. So thank you so much for coming up here and joining us. We love having people in the studio, especially in these times. We're being safe. Everything has been sanitized here. We've got all the hand sanitizers and that. But we're uh, I having like a good this time field with trip, it. Tim. The, the yeah, field this came fun, to us. This we didn't, we didn't really go anywhere. Right. The field came to these us. Are the, these work out. Yeah. And we've got a bunch of delicious kombuchas and uh, some fermented foods over there. And we're just going to we're gonna have a good time. We're going to rock and roll today. Yes. Yes, yes Tim. we are. I yeah. agree. I agree. What did you get up to today? Or this week? Today? No, today not much today, week, man. I'm doing a show today, actually. Are you? Okay. Going How's that you know, going? It's, Is it going so, well so far? I'm not sure, man. Okay. It's, a, it's a little awkward so far, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but, you know, Brian, another easy week. We uh, we actually spent a little time hanging out in the studio this weekend. I was uh, medically incapacitated is going to be the nice way to put it last okay. weekend. So I could just uh, I just had to hang out and take it kind of easy. Uh, but we came in here, we played some cards, and we did a vertical of some Belgian beers. And that's something, you know, we love Belgian beers, but with all these great American beers and stuff out, we don't visit them as much as, as we used to. But, uh, Brian, you picked up a couple of 
They were Chimay verticals. That's right. The yes. Chimay blue, which is their quad, and the red, which is their triple. And I think that's they call the it the double, actually. That's the double. double. Okay. Yeah. And it's the, what's it? The Grand Reserve is the blue, and Premier is red? Premier is the red, yeah. yeah. So the, yes, yeah. Grand Reserve is the blue, I think. I don't I don't recall. I do know right. that the, the rouge or the red is the Premier. Right. I, I believe so. So the red, we drank uh, 2011 through 2013. Yep. The blue, 2013 through 2015. Hashtag drink your cellar. Brian, what were your favorite ones of that uh, so entire vertical? On the, I'm going to start with the blue because you know quads okay. are more my jam. And think sure. about that. But the, I think the 15. Surprisingly enough, I think the youngest one. I felt it was richer. The older ones seemed to dry out a little bit more. Maybe they'd went uh, a little further. I think the 15 was richer, deeper. Those dark fruits, you know, sure. the sugar, the the sweetness that you get from the Belgian sugars they use, and uh, just that. And on the the rouge, I think. Man, I don't remember. Was it the 12? I think the middle one on that I one think you me. said the 12, uh, yeah. the, the middle, the, so 2011 to 2013. And I pretty much agreed with you. Right. I thought it was interesting that in, uh, I think in the, the quads, the the older ones were actually less effervescent too, which you would they think were. that they mm-hmm. would carbonate more as time right. went on. It didn't seem to be the case. So yeah. there was something going on there. I yeah. don't, I'm not really sure what, uh, what happened with that, but uh, yeah. We made it through. I think... Twelve or thirteen for the uh, the the double and fifteen for the the quad the strong dark was were my picks as well tasty stuff right yeah pedals anything interesting for you this week oh goodness yeah lots of interesting stuff actually so I've just been scaling up on production I'm about to go on a vacation so we also got a few new employees in that all have a different range of interests so it's fun to stick them in different spots of our production and our business because we do have quite a few different areas right now we don't only have our kombucha brewery but we have a separate kitchen that we produce all of our other ferments um, and health elixirs in so I've been trying to scale up get some ferments started finished jarred pulling in new employees that are stoked about that other employees that are stoked about things like our elderberry elixir and fire cider and yeah just doing some new seasonal flavors with the kombucha and water kefir so it's kind of always exciting that's the thing about wild fermentation is it's not just like a set start here and their schedule it's always changing and that's what keeps us so attracted to it is we never get tired of it it's never something that you get bored doing you guys such a have have such a huge variety of stuff too melanie you've got i see a collared kimchi out there i believe your kraut chi which i think that's self-explanatory combination of a sauerkraut and a kimchi thing happening yeah yeah it's a hybrid between a sauerkraut and a kimchi and then the collared kimchi is kind of our southern take on kimchi so those are two of our like examples of fermented veggies right now, but um, we also have like fermented garlic and honey, and we have some spiralized daikon radish that we fermented. So always kind of coming up with some new stuff. But um, the fun thing is, is we've got these nifty little labels. So we just kind of take what the farmers Whatever's have. Whatever's in there, right? Yeah, yeah, and ferment it, and then just write on the label um, for our fermentation CSA, for our home delivery program, and for our tap room and farmer's markets. That's pretty awesome. I, you mentioned the garlic honey. I've done that at home, you know, put the clothes in there. And I took, uh, I've been doing hot sauces. We sampled some before the show, but I took some of my habanero hot sauce and some of that liquid off the, the garlic honey and made a wing sauce. And then I took Ooh. some Publix chicken tenders. 
and toss them like in that you sauce. Yeah. And it was good. It was just fantastic. You guys are such so. overachievers. I had a I had a tall boy of hams and I I considered you my I considered man. it a win for the week and you guys are doing all this stuff. Crazy. I was like I ate a sausage, That's I had a right. tall boy of hams. It was a good week. We hey, mustard on the sausage too. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. That's awesome. But you know Tim, I think we need to get into the beers of the week. Crack open a cold one. It's the Truck and Tap Beer of the Week. Woo-hoo! Craft beer and food trucks in downtown Woodstock. Truckandtap.com. Well, Brian, as always, we've got just a fantastic list of not just beers this week, Brian. Not just beer. Not just beer. But we have uh, one from uh, Sudwork Brewing. We drank their microfauna, which is just fantastic. A nice, uh, funky, golden sour beer. And that one comes to us courtesy of the Rare Beer Club, Brian. Oh, which yeah. is uh, going to be a new sponsor of the show. We'll have some more info and some affiliate codes for that. So stay tuned for that information. We also, Brian, you got a Boulevard Sierra Nevada Terra Incognita, number three. That's from 2014. More hashtag drink your cellar beers. Uh, we have a Atlanta Brewing Company, actually Red Brick, back when they were Red Brick, Conjuring Cultures Volume 1, which is you think is a 2017 or 2018. Ish, yeah. And Cultured South, Brian, we've got uh, we've got some good stuff from them. We're currently drinking the kombucha, which is a hopped Georgia citrus. Kombucha with a little CBD going on, Brian. And uh, we've got a lot more. I see several Tallboy cans over there that we'll talk about and get into later in the show. So it's going to be some good drinking for us. We're going to be so probiotic by the end We're going to be it. great, man, yeah. digesting everything. Well, Brian, exactly. what's happening in the news? What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop. Extra, extra, read all about it. Time for headlines. Well, in conveniently timely news, there's a turf war in Australia over a brewery's use of the word probiotic. So in advertising for Pirate Life's Kiwi and Cherry Sour Ale, they said this about the beer, and this is a quote, acquires its tartness from the probiotic lactobacillus, so it's good for the guts. Well, sort of. Uh, the probiotic supplement industry was not happy with that and lodged a complaint. The regulatory agency involved dismissed the complaint, saying that the ad was clearly tongue-in-cheek, but the probiotic industry is not pleased with the decision, complaining about how the term is being overused and basically starting to lose its meaning. But they are fully on board with a beer developed by the University of Singapore that contains a billion lactobacillus parcel, I can't say, L26 per serving. It's a variety of that, and it's apparently a legitimate probiotic beer. Does that tell you anything, Petals, what he's talking about over there? It does, and it makes me wonder. I understand that the probiotic industry or whatever that cooperative is is doing the right thing, I truly believe, because there are a lot of cultures that are being isolated and then thrown in another product and being labeled as probiotic, Ah, when really it's not going to be like an heirloom culture that has a diversity of probiotics that's really going to be good for your gut. Okay. Interesting stuff. Good deal. Awesome. Well, that's it for the news this week, Brian. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we're going to be back very soon to talk more with Cultured South. Are you really doing Facebook right? I'm Aaron Williams, and here's your Marketing Minute. Facebook is a fantastic place to communicate with your fans. I'm sure you're using it to let people know about your specials, new beers, events. In other words, you're talking at your audience. Instead, try talking with your audience. Start conversations, ask questions, and show your fans what's going on behind the scenes. You'll make more of them, I promise. For more marketing tips and tricks, head to crafted-consulting.com radio. 
Have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built? We're Storytime Construction, and we build breweries. We're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I believe you have my stapler. Now, back to the Beer Guys radio show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Remember, all episodes are available on demand, so if you miss the broadcast, get the podcast. Beer Guys Radio is available on all popular podcasting apps. Now let's get back to our talk with Cultured South. Melanie and Petals, thanks again for joining us. We enjoyed it. So on the break, Brian, we snacked. We, we did. We snacked on some fermented foods. We had a... Uh, Melanie, we had Krauchy, correct? Yep. Krauchy is a yeah. hybrid between sauerkraut and kimchi. Good stuff. We had uh, your collard green kimchi, and we had some of your vegan cashew cheese, right? Yeah, Pure Abundance vegan cashew cheese. All the good stuff happened at Cultured South. So I think we kind of covered it there. Cultured South is actually, you've got three companies under Cultured South? So I'll kind of lay it all out. Sure. It all started with gold at kombucha. Right. My grandmother's recipe, kombucha. um, Started making kombucha about six years ago and then discovered that I loved all fermented foods and and the company was really going to be bigger than just kombucha. And the whole, um, you know, bringing in fermented foods into the kombucha and having like a tap room that serves both and kind of food and beverage was kind of the whole concept there. So started doing fermented foods somewhere along the way. I um, fell into Pure Abundance Vegan Cheese. I actually purchased that brand about three or four years ago and started making it with kombucha in it. So it all kind of started to have this like nice little circle of uh, symbiotic qualities. Right. And um, started just making the fermented foods, the cultured cashew cheese, and Golda Kombucha all simultaneously in one big building. You know what? This sounds like something you just did. It sounds like a racket. You make all this stuff that you like, you know what? I got stuff I to like eat. I got stuff to yeah. drink. Oh, believe me, it's a racket. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like some guy starting a beer radio show, you know? That's right. Like, you like drinking yeah, beer. You get to talk, talk and drink it. beer. Yeah. So, Obviously yeah. an insane person. Right. That's the truth. That is the truth. Absolutely. So kombucha. Petals, what is kombucha in its simplest form? It's a fermented tea, but it dates back over 2,000 years. Um, so the way that kombucha came to be, there's some texts that say that it came from Korean physician that went over to Japan to cure a Japanese emperor's stomach ailments. And he brought this mysterious tea that was known to help with stomach ailments. And sure enough, it did. So they started spreading it all throughout the silk trade. It was passed around on the trade routes. And it was nicknamed kombucha. Uh, So cha means tea in Chinese. So it was Dr. Kombu's tea. Um, So that's how the culture was passed around. So kombucha is fermented 
Unlike alcohol ferments, so it has the yeast and bacteria aspect to it that works symbiotically together. So the yeast ferments produce ethanol, but the bacteria aspect of it is going to produce all of your acetic acids and just replicate themselves to be those probiotics. So a lot of people don't realize what that link is, that probiotics are just bacteria, different strains of Mm -hmm. bacteria. And yeasts also have a bad rap in some of the health industry, um, but there's also tons of beneficial yeasts that our body needs, and those are also present in fermented goods like kombucha. I mean, some people may know this, but there's bacteria and yeast just all around. On our skin, on our plants, like when you, we'll dive into this a little deeper, but when you ferment foods, a lot of what you need to make that happen is just living on your fruits or vegetables right there. Absolutely. You just have to give it the environment to where it does what it needs to do. And probably your hands as well, because yeah. Just Coming in direct contact. Soak your hands yeah, in, exactly. some, in some salt water, Brian. Now, I read something, speaking of the, the background of kombucha, that uh, in Japan, kombucha is a different thing. Is it like a like a seaweed tea or something like that? Isn't there some, some interesting, different thing? Like if you go to Japan and ask for kombucha, you're going to get something different than if you get it here in the U.S. Is that right? It is not going to be different. So so there's a lot of different names around kombucha. So kombucha is also thought to be called mushroom tea, um, but it's actually not a mushroom at all. And uh, I understand why people say this because the scoby that floats on top looks pretty like fungal and looks mushroomy, but it's actually not. So if you really wanted to break it down and get to the nitty gritty, yeast is a fungus technically, but that's really the only thing that would correlate the scoby being fungal or a mushroom. Um, So there is some seaweed that's called kombu. So there's a seaweed called kombu. And then um, there's a lot of other words that kind of like sound similar that people get confused with kombucha. But kombucha itself is going to be that same culture that dates back and just has varying um, strains depending on what environment, microclimate, country it's been passed around to. There's also a squash called kombu. Um, so this we is get all so confusing. people come into the tap room and say, "Hey, uh, I'm here to like buy a squash." I'm like, uh, "What? <laughs> what are you doing?" Nope, not here. I don't know. Maybe you got one fermented. Uh, though, can you right? float so, one yeah. on the top? Don't of, tempt me with yeah, a good yeah, time. Exactly. Right. <laughs> float yeah. one on top of your kombucha and see if it magically becomes a variety of kombucha. It's Ooh. a pretty strong culture. It that might take crazy. over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of the of the of the cultures, and you mentioned the scoby petals, which is a I think I'm right here. Symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. Correct? Good job. Good All job. Right. Good, yeah. good. Now, uh, Melanie, I was going to ask you, is this culture like your original one? Or are you keeping it going here? It sure is. Okay. Yeah. This is my grandmother's original kombucha culture. So it all started with Golda Kombucha. My grandma um, just recently passed away this summer. She was 99 years old. And she started making kombucha in her house in the Appalachian Mountains in southwest Virginia over 40 years ago. And so when I was a kid, I would go to her house and I would see uh, a punch bowl or a mason jar, you know, put up on top of a refrigerator or a cabinet with this weird, you know, mushroom-like gelatinous substance in it and I just always thought it was grandma's weird mushroom tea had no idea what Uh it was but um I was in college and I kind of was like piqued my interest and I kind of wanted to research it a little bit more so I came back to Georgia with all these books on kombucha and how to make it and with her culture and started brewing in my house in my kitchen just kind of playing around with the recipes just kind of seeing what I could do with it 
and uh you know definitely messed up a few batches had to run up to virginia and get the culture again but uh, sure right? yeah, yeah but this is all her culture so it's cool. we've been that's keeping awesome. it alive for for years and years that's something how do you preserve it long term do you have to basically keep it fermenting constantly indefinitely or can you throw it in the freezer and let it hang out for a bit and it'll wake you it back up you can put up, it in or? the refrigerator um you do have to continuously kind of feed it it'll stay on some like sweetened tea for you know several months but at some point you have to add sweetened tea back into it the kombucha culture thrives on sugar and the tannins and the tea so you'll need to add you know some sweetened tea back into it if you want to keep it for a long time now, have you done any studies, like, officially to check and see, hey, I know this is a proprietary ancestral kind of SCOBY situation. What bacteria and specific yeasts are in it? I know some people have done that. Have you ever done that? Yeah. So um, I used to be the secretary to the board of Kombucha Brewers International for four years. And when we were with that organization, we actually sent our SCOBY off to a lab and got a full rundown of exactly what was in our culture. I can't remember off the top of our head, but it's a lot of good stuff. It's basically the same kind of stuff that you would find in um, other probiotic foods, cultures of yeast and bacteria, um, you know, lots of lactobacillus, which, you know, is great. But I, a ton of other cultures that I'm not even going to try to pronounce because they're just really long words that I don't even know. I mean, there's like over 60 different strains in any particular culture. Yeah. So it's, oh, wow. and it's, and they're constantly changing too. So it's a beautiful, never-ending journey for the culture <laughs> so does that mean that you could influence if you if you wanted to, to create a belgian kombucha you start throwing belgian yeast into it a little at a time could you influence the scoby and eventually have a very kind of belgian heavy kind of uh kombucha is that possible or is is the scoby kind of like hey this is what i am i'm not going to be bothered by that if you wanted to have a Belgian scoby, I would just take your scoby to Belgium and had it, have it live there for quite a few months. And all of the yeast that exist naturally in the terroir there would make what you would want to call a Belgian scoby. Okay. Take a visit to Drefont, then. <laughs> a Drefont. Drop a scoby in the corner there and a come back a year. Goose, kombucha. Drop one, hide it somewhere, and then go back a year later and pick it up. All right. And you'll have your Dre scoby there. I'm going to go book my plane tickets. Yeah. Be good stuff, <laughs> absolutely. Now, I think we're about out of time here, so something we're going to get into in the next segment is the alcohol content of these and the probiotic benefits a little bit more. So you're listening to the Beer Guys radio show. We do need to take a break. But we'll be back right after this. You know we love good beer. And Athletic Brewing makes non-alcoholic beer that stands shoulder to shoulder with their boozy brethren. With a fraction of the calories and certified organic, it's a great beer to enjoy anytime. Athletics got new brews like Cerveza Atletica just in time for summer. Check out the full selection at athleticbrewing.com. Use code BG25 for 25% off your first order and U.S. customers get free nationwide shipping. Athletic Brewing, brew without compromise. It's Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. 
Tim, why do they call it truck and tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. guys on facebook twitter and instagram the numbers all go to 11 does that mean it's louder well it's one louder isn't it now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show i want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates wqee 99 rock the key 991 fm in noonan georgia Catch Beer Guys Radio on WQEE every Sunday at 10 a.m. local time. Now let's get back to our conversation with Cultured South. Pedals, we, we said we were going to talk ABV and probiotic, but we had another SCOBY question. So if you don't have a SCOBY, and we'll post some pictures. We'll put some pictures on our Instagram and on the website for those that haven't seen a SCOBY before. How do you grow one? Like if you don't have one to start with, how do you grow a SCOBY? So that's actually a wonderful question that lots of people are interested in. And it took me a little bit of digging and researching to really figure out how the first SCOBY came into existence. Because you hear about them being passed along from person to person, but you never hear about where it actually originated. So I found out it's really beautiful. The way that it works is just like many other cultures that have serendipitously formed throughout time, it happens by the joining of those yeast and bacteria. But how do those actually meet in the first place? Because it would be a really common occurrence if anything that normally touched surfaces would form that culture, they'd be all over the place. But it really has to happen just based on the right timing of them combining with a food source to really create that SCOBY. So assuming it, the story is right, that it was 2,000 years ago, um, there was some sort of non-pollinating insect, they believe, that was flying around because those types of insects would be landing on all sorts of strange material like people and feces and animals and rotting fruit. And uh, at one point, it landed on a carbohydrate source, either a rotting piece of fruit, or since it originated in uh, China, they're assuming it could also be some sort of rice porridge um, that contained sweetness and carbohydrates. And it formed a strange sourness that was an accident, a happy accident, like many of our other food history stories. And just through that, they started inoculating that sour porridge or sour fruit juice into other uh, sugar sources. And then when people started realizing, wow, this is actually creating wonderful digestion, this is breaking down nutrients, it, they saw the effect that it had. Then that's when they started sharing it with friends and family and community. And somehow Dr. Kombu got a hold of it and started uh, using it in his medicine. So it's a matter of you really do need to get it from somebody because it would be very hard to construct on your own? Exactly. Yeah, you could not do it on your own. There have been many people that have tried to combine those specific strains of yeast and bacteria that have been isolated in laboratories. And even when you put them all together, it actually will not form a SCOBY. So it's this really beautiful occurrence of when the yeast and bacteria come together at different times, they don't all just jump in at one time and start forming a colony. They actually have to have this like dating acquaintance where it's like here I will help you in this way okay cool I'm going to pull out this other strain that's going to help me in this way and they kind of pick up along the way to form a stronger more resilient culture that has 
been passed on and so it's kind of like it probably started with a much smaller selection of yeast and bacteria and has grown to select um, its friends and kick out its competitors and I'm sure it had some trial and error to form the the SCOBY that we're now passing around today. So yes, you couldn't create your own. You do need a community of yeast and bacteria and a community of people in order to get your SCOBY. Isn't that something? How about that? How odd that these things happen, right? You can also pour out some live kombucha like ours, some real kombucha that's um, sold in stores or whatnot, and let it ferment with a cloth over it on your countertop, and it will start to form a SCOBY. And that's also a good determination of what's a real kombucha and what's a fake kombucha. Sure. And, And I think one time when I did kombucha, I had a friend that had a batch going. And I think he did what you said. He took, uh, he made a batch of sweet tea and poured some of his existing kombucha in there. And it, it started off, you know, just a small colony. And he built it up to, it was maybe the size of a standard mason jar. He's like, here, this will get you started. It'll grow more, you know, as it goes on. So that was pretty cool. And that kind of ties in to what we were talking about we were going to mention earlier, Melanie. We were talking about the, the live cultures in that. And I had heard at one time that they were, a lot of commercial kombucha, they're pasteurized. So you're getting kombucha, but a lot of people hear kombucha and they think probiotic, healthy, beneficial. But if you're getting something that pasteurized, you're not getting anything except a, a little tart sweet tea, right? Yeah. So a lot of kombuchas that are on the market today have been pasteurized and then synthesized probiotics added back into it. So one of the largest kombucha brands today is known to a lot of people. I'm not going to mention their name, but okay. they are owned by Pepsi. Um, <laughs> so as you, as you could imagine, corporate entities trying to make a lot of money, trying to do things quick and easy and not really building an authentic brand or an authentic kombucha. Um, so they are pasteurizing it because, you know, it's made out in California or whatnot, and it has to be shipped all the way to the East Coast, and that takes time and, and refrigeration, which is like, very expensive. Um, so, you know, they do it as a, a, a shortcut to, to to make their profit and make their bottom line thicker, but it's not an authentic kombucha. And KBI, the Kombucha Brewers International Association, is actually putting out documentation that says, look, this is what is a kombucha and this is what not a kombucha is, and this is what you need to be to have a kombucha product and be in the parameters of this definition of kombucha. So that's a really great thing that they're doing, and it's really going to set aside the people that are authentically, you know, craft making. Right. Mm-hmm this product versus just adding some some acetic acid some vinegar and some you know probiotics into it sure that's and i know there's even like a in the beer world i'm sure you know there's berliner weiss and goza that has that that tartness to it and there's some that do those and i think sometimes now they're calling them just sour beers or they won't use necessarily berliner weiss but some of them kettle just, sours or not even kettle well sour, that's what really. i was going to say they yeah. don't even say kettle sour because yeah. some of them just add lactic acid to exactly. it and that's it so you're not even really a kettle sour there so hmm. you know get it that way so there's nothing you know nothing happening in there and also the alcohol content that we mentioned i think you had said earlier these don't there's fermentation going on so is there any alcohol in here or? with all fermentation there's going to be a trace amount of alcohol in kombucha so there is a, a little bit of alcohol it does um, register under half a percent which makes us a non-alcoholic okay. beverage gotcha and you know one thing i like about these the one the one i made at home and i was a newbie it was pretty pretty sour i mean you know almost virgin 
like if you put a shot of apple cider vinegar in a in a sweet tea. And I'm and I you know I still liked it, but I had to drink real small quantities. There was this is a lot more drinkable. Your yours is a lot more drinkable. There's a nice tartness there, but it's a lot lighter, a lot less intense than than what mine was. And and the flavors you've got, we just drank a lavender lemonade. Live, probiotic, and raw, Brian, right here. We Oak-aged, too. Oak-aged, neat. Yeah. You know, because I tried that my hand at the kombucha back when you were, because I got right. a scoby, and I'm like, why not give it a shot? I had heard that uh, you had to be careful how much you drank of it. I also didn't, like, refrigerate it or stop it, so it got pretty sour. It got very effervescent. I kind of liked it, but, I mean, how much kombucha is really safe to consume at, at a given time or a given day? It really depends on your body. So if you're just starting off with kombucha, you probably just want to taper it in maybe like six to eight ounces a day and then work your way up. It is detoxifying. So you might have some after effects, you know, like a skin rash or some issues there. Um, Just the toxins kind of working out of your body. But um, once you kind of get your gut acclimated to the probiotics and the live cultures that are in the kombucha, you can boost it up to, you know, 16 ounces, um, 32 ounces a day. Um, It it really can't do you any harm. You just want to make sure you drink lots of water to flush out the toxins and keep yourself hydrated. Yeah, because you're throwing live cultures into your system there. So, you know, get get it kicking around. Just get things acclimated. Got to get things. I have to ask you, we've been talking about tea. Can you make kombucha with coffee? You can. We made the kombucha coffee before, a kafusha. Kafusha. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm on board again. His eye out for back that. on board. It was a love-hate relationship with the taproom customers. Really? <laughs> okay. Some people loved it. Some people were like, uh, I don't know about this. All but right. I guess it depends yeah. on how dry you get it. Like if there's some residual sweetness with a little bit of, uh, I can see it that being pretty tasty. I'd try it. I know you would. Oh, no of, question of course at all, I would. Brian. Yeah. So. You're probably going to try and make some, aren't you? I'm thinking about it. Now I know I can just pour Get out some, some, of theirs, there. some of theirs into a jar and grow it up and then start throwing cold brew coffee on it. Yeah. A bunch of sugar. Make yeah. you a latte. Start a new trend, Brian. Coffee house with all kombucha coffees. And vegan you know, vegan milk in it. You That's know, right. And all that. Oh, do absolutely. it up, man. Yeah. Absolutely. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take another break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Cultured South. It's time to take your snack back with bold flavors that complement your latest brew. Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds will do just that with flavors like Korean Kimchi Barbecue, Honey Chipotle, Cilantro Lime, and more. Munch on these beer-friendly bacon bites right out of the bag or crush them in your favorite recipes as a substitute for breading. Find your next bag at Kroger or go to southernrecipesmallbatch.com for recipes and a buy two, get one coupon. That's southernrecipesmallbatch.com. Craft beer forged with a reverence for tradition and new styles that start a revolution. Ironmonger Brewing. The brewers at Ironmonger Brewing pride themselves at being masters of barrel-aged, hoppy, and sour beers. They invite you to their tap room in Marietta, Georgia to taste and see. Also visit their barrel room for an intimate drinking experience with great live entertainment. Keep up to date on all things Ironmonger by liking them on Facebook. Ironmonger Brewing. Establishing a new standard in craft beer. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Now, back to the Beer Guys radio show. 
Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. Now let's get back to Cultured South. Cultured South. We're drinking some tasty kombuchas where I'm currently drinking a strawberry mint, Brian. And it's a quite. T- it's very light and refreshing. And also one that's a blackberry something. Basil. basil. Blackberry, blackberry basil. basil. You're doubling up I'm already. I'm double fisting like Good I stuff. usually am at this, awesome. at this point in the show. Awesome. Well, Melanie, <laughs> we wanted to share some info with folks uh, about some cool stuff you've got coming up. And I believe your anniversary is coming up soon, right? Yeah. 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 August 22nd and 23rd. Cool. It's our six-year anniversary of Golda Kombucha. So we're going to be celebrating with a live mural painting experience that's going to be on our patio on the Beltline uh, West End Trail. So bring your paintbrushes. Um, you can help us make this beautiful mural that we're going to paint on our um, the backside of our brewery and tap room. And we'll also have some, some new kegged kombucha that you can taste in the tap room. And we're going to be premiering uh, the newest thing that we've been working on, the Culture Camper, which is a mobile kombucha bar uh, outfitted in cool. an old school canned ham camper. Awesome. That sounds pretty cool, huh? A canned ham camper. I know what you know what I'd never heard it called the that, all, but I know exactly what you're talking about. All there, metal yeah. sides or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And for those not in Atlanta, the Beltline is kind of a newish. What's it? A few years old, maybe that they've really been developing it. But uh, a trail system. Kind yeah, of circles it Atlanta. used to be old yeah. railroad, tracks, railroad tracks, and they right. developed it into yeah. pedestrian walkways, and you can ride your bike, walk your dog, run, you know, do all the fun things, and it comes right to our backside of our patio, right. and we're in the Lee and White district at 10:30. White Street, which is in the historic West End. Yeah, if you listen to last weekend's show, we mentioned that we went down to Lee and White. We went to the breweries, and there's, there's three breweries. Three breweries, a distillery. Distillery, yeah. restaurant, beer bar, bottle shop. So if you need alcohol or kombucha, non-alcoholic kombucha. If you need a fermented that's place product. To be. A fermented yes. product, that's the place to be. They don't Absolutely. call it Malt Disney for nothing. That's right, Malt Disney. <laughs> and I, you know what? I said that online, and somebody, apparently Sierra Nevada in Asheville, has been has uses that term as well. So. Oh, but I'm like, no, Lee and White. Well, they can here. come open up next to us. Sure, That's yeah, fine. bring it on down, right? <laughs> Absolutely, good stuff. Well, we wanted to talk a little more too about fermented foods. We made a promise. We we're going to tell folks if you want to dip into this at home, and uh, I follow different fermentation forums online. And I see a lot of people start out with. Uh, beverages, a kombucha, I think it's called tapache, right? the pineapple. Tapache, yeah. Tapache. And here's something I'll tell. And y'all, I'm going to say this here on the show so you all listen. Read up and make sure you know what you're doing before you do this because so many newbies do really dangerous stuff when they do their beverages. And they're ferment, they're doing carbonation and like top water bottles and that. Those decorative things that barely are are hanging together, a little bit of pressure and boom. And gushers are common, and you'll see people take these flip-top bottles and do one-handed flip. I have seen one of those flip-tops embedded in a ceiling because of the pressure that those come off with. It will break away from the bottle. So y'all just study up. It's easy to do, but do it right. Do it right. So I do have a little tip and trick on okay. that. So uh-huh. I tell everybody who's starting to do fermented beverages and they're going to try to do the carbonation step of it. I tell people from the get-go to get acquainted with the fermented beverage. Just don't even try carbonating it first. Sure. Just put it in the fridge. Enjoy it still for a while until you really understand the rhythm of the ferment. And then once you have that down pat, a month or two later, then start to try the carbonation if you really want to. But you're going to probably end up with an exploding bottle at some point. Yeah. So what you want to do is keep it in a close 
closed container or somewhere where the glass isn't going to spray and hit everybody or you're not, not going to end up with a red stain on your ceiling. So you can either put it in like a tub, put it in your bathroom in your tub or put it in a cardboard box with a, a towel over the top, anything like that. And then you can just go and check them in that um, in that location because it's just not worth risking glass everywhere. I actually woke up in the middle of the night back in my uh, learning days thinking that someone was shooting up my, my bedroom because it was just yep. pop, 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 pop. See? And it was no fun <laughs> cleaning bathroom, that up. The bathroom, a.k.a. the fermentation and, bunker. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that can happen even if you do, you know, you follow all the best practices because we, you know, homebrewing beer and when we bottle condition before we got kegging system, um, I had I have a cabinet like an armoire in my dining room that I was putting bottles in and I was just sitting watching TV and heard a pop. And I was like, what in the world is that? And I go in there and like I mentioned, there was a chunk of glass that the armoire had shelves in it and there was a piece of bottle glass stuck in the in the top of that, you know, wood. So it's not it's not joking. There's a lot to bust a bottle open. There's a lot of pressure happening. Oh, indeed. So, yeah. Proceed yeah. with caution. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so if somebody wanted to get started, like the easiest thing, like just get started with fermenting a food item, like very easy, no risk. What? Where should they go? Where should they start with? So I would say to start with sauerkraut. It's super okay. simple. Literally two ingredients, cabbage and salt. You need a jar. You, you need something to put over the top. Um, there's lots of different options that you can use for that. Uh, I really like to tell people, if you think you're going to make a hobby of this, go ahead and get one of those uh, glass weights to put in it. Um, that keeps everything. So really the whole idea behind this, the mantra behind fermenting vegetables is it's all fine under the brine. So as long okay. as it's yeah, under that liquid, yeah. you're not going to have to be worried about competing mold um, forming on top. But it is tricky because cab- things like to float. The cabbage is going to float to the top. So you have two options. You can either keep the cabbage submerged under the liquid with a weight. You don't have to have one of those glass <clears throat> weights. You can buy them on Amazon or anything like that, just little um, glass discs. You can also go old school, get a smaller mason jar that fits within the wide mouth mason jars. So like those half pints fit really nicely inside. Um, you can just weigh down the cabbage with that, put some water in it, and then just put a cloth over the top. Um, it's also really nice if you just get a, a, lay, a leaf of the cabbage and don't chop it up. So make sure you save that and then put that over the chopped cabbage on the top of the brine, then put the jar on top so that there's not little pieces of cabbage that are popping up to the left and the right of the jar. So you either want to keep it submerged with a weight or you can just go really old school and put a lid on top of that jar. Um, like we were talking about, explosive things happen under fermentation. Um, so you'll want to make sure that you're burping that daily, and but also shaking that daily because as long as that liquid is um, is covering the cabbage, if you're shaking it twice a day, especially at the beginning of the fermentation, then that's going to prevent any mold spores from really having a chance to sit in and start forming. So shaking it twice a day, covering that cabbage back up, and then burping the lid twice a day until it's really fermenting. And then you could shake it just once a day or so until you're done. And, you know, you'll notice, too, you'll, you get carbonation in there. I mean, you'll see, you'll have a jar of kraut, you tap that jar, and it'll fizz up like you, like a soda or anything. Bubbles, you'll, yeah. see, you'll see it bubbled up. I saw someone online that recently, they, they carbonated their pickles. Like, they did their pickles, and they <laughs> put them in and did, like, a secondary where they sealed them up tight and just let it there to get fizzy pickles. People are into a, that, yeah. yeah. People like that. I've even seen petals where i talking about keeping it under the brine, where people will take, like, a, a baggie and put some brine in that baggie and set that in there so kind of the liquid and the plastic creates that barrier because food fermentation it's uh, with lactobacillus bacteria is anaerobic mm-hmm. so it wants to be the no oxygen it happens there but like we've talked about with the mold when that stuff comes up there and you've got some air in play then the mold can get on there correct am i correct there uh, so ab- absolutely yeah absolutely so yeah. And, and it is going to um, off gas that co2 
I just personally am not a big fan of, and I'm not to discredit anyone who uses the plastic sure. bag method. I, right. But by means of fermentation, you're consuming molecules and breaking them down. So if, as for a holistic perspective, if you're going from like a health perspective, then I personally don't like to use um, even food-grade plastic in it. Okay. Yeah, we, that makes sense. We, we like to use stainless steel and glass See, at Golda. Now, I was going to brag about my cool stuff, but it's plastic. I bought these, I think they're called kimchi fermenters, but it's like a rectangular thing, and then there's a a little rubber seal that actually pushes down in there, you know, that's got oh, the... Kind of a weighted yeah, plate, basically. A, yeah, uh-huh. so it's like shaped to where the, the seal actually pushes down in the center of it, and it's got a little hole with a, a stopper that you can put in there to kind of burp it out of there. No, so that's cool. I mean, use what you got. Under the I'm sorry, Petals. No, I'm, to I'm each their own. <laughs> I, got pla- I got plastic over here. So. Now, here's a question that I need to know. How do I keep my pickles crisp? Okay, great question. See? So, yeah. so the pickle game is a game that it, you're either going to uh, enjoy a moderately crisp fermented pickle, or you're gonna just go back to your vinegar pickles. Um, okay. So, fermented pickles you can keep them crisp by throwing any sort of edible leaf in there. You know, grape leaves. We were talking about bay leaves earlier. Yep. Just, yep. just make sure that you do take into effect that the flavor compounds from the leaves, depending on the quantity you put in, are going to affect the, the end product. Um. So, yeah, the leaves and the tannins are gonna help. Um, speed up that crisping process. You can throw in black tea, anything like that, but they aren't going to be as crispy as your crispiest vinegar pickle, and that's just something that you can't compare it I to. Didn't know, I didn't know that, but I guess it makes sense because fermentation, you're breaking things down there, so it makes sense. Well, I think we're running short on time. If people want to keep up with what's happening with Golden Kombucha, Cultured South, and all that, and uh, where to get it, where should they go? Yeah, so you can come into our state-of-the-art tap room, the Fermentation Marketplace and Kombucha Tap Room, Cultured South, at 1038 White Street over on the West End Beltline. You can follow us on Instagram at Cultured South and Golda Kombucha on Instagram. And then you can also pick us up in your local Whole Foods and Kroger stores. We're in every Kroger and every Whole Foods in the state of Georgia. Look for our Golda Kombucha 16-ounce cans. Cool. Do you go outside of Georgia? We do, yeah. We okay. actually have national distribution, but we focus in on the southeast in Georgia. Okay, so keep your eye out. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your kombucha and your knowledge. We had a great time. Thanks for having us. Happy Absolutely. fermenting. You bet. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week as we talk with Fat Orange Cat Beer Company. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so make sure to follow us for more info. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, Your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang.